thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, grab your word. We're in Psalms of Summer. Go to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. 24 is kind of like uh, July 5th, <laughs> December 26th. Who the heck is the shortstop after Derek Jeter? Who, was, who played after Michael Jordan? I mean, it's 24th Psalm comes after the 23rd Psalm. How many of y'all read the 24th Psalm a lot? Nobody puts that on the wall. Nobody. Anybody got that anywhere in their house? Nobody. You, you know, you, there's just some script you just feel sorry for, you know? The 24 Psalms, I just think it got just, it just didn't, it just, I just feel sorry for 24 Psalms. It got cut out, I think. But, man, it's so rich, and I want us to see it today. There's so much in this. I did not, uh, I wanted this to be one of our Psalms of the summer. And uh, you follow with me um, while we read it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God our Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek his face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, king, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, the king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. Mm, that's a good word, boy. Charles Spurgeon says this, There should be some preparation of the heart in coming to worship of God. Consider who he is, whose name we gather. We surely cannot rush together without that thought. Consider whom who we profess to worship, and we should not hurry into his presence as men hurry to a fire. Mm. How do you come in to worship? Look at David, the first two verses. The Lord's, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. David, from the very get-go in Psalm 24, understands the sovereignty of our God. Man, what a God we serve. How many times in our life... Did we start to utter the word, God, where are you? What are you doing? And then, boom, you see it for what it is. God's timing is beautiful. God's timing is gorgeous. God's ways can be trusted. God is faithful to his children. He has not forsaken his kids. And I'm going to tell you, David right here recharges his own self. There's times, man, you just need to recharge yourself and understand that God is a sovereign God. And though it looks like it's out of control, he is so much in control. So much in control. I want you to look at the questions in verse 3, and they're beautiful. 
Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? What is he talking about? He's talking about the presence of the Lord. He's talking about, as Spurgeon said, how we come into his presence. Too many of us come into the presence of God like we're running down culture. And with that, that light's turning yellow, and we're like, oh, mm, stop. Oh, gosh. I do not have time to be stopped. I got things to do. I don't want to be in this location. Why did that light turn yellow? I was coming. I was close. I should have run it. I should have ran that light. That's how we walk in the worship. I'm busy. I don't have time. I'm here. Let's go, God. Do something. Dog and pony show. Impress me. I got to go. I shouldn't even come anyway. I could have got a lot done this morning. Man, that's not how you come into the presence of the Lord. That's not how we come in. How do you come in? Who could stand here in the presence of the Lord? Look at what he says that follows this. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Many come with me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, is what he says. Who does not lift his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Are there giants in the land of worship? Mm, boy, are they. Are there obstacles in the land of worship? Yes, they are. I just want to run through some. Pride. Mm, pride, the giant in the land of worship. Pride is a huge giant in the land of worship. Lack of knowledge is absolutely a giant in the land of worship. Don't know who he is, and we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Pride, lack of knowledge, independence. I don't need him. My life's good right now. Everything's great. I had a great week. I could, I could skip church this week. I don't, I don't have no need. Fourth, and I see this too often, a critical spirit. Mm. A critical spirit in worship. Who can stand in the holy place? Mm. Not a critical spirit. No. Who can lift those hands? And it's God's like putting them down. No. Don't lift those hands to me. Cynical spirit, critical spirit. I'm going to tell you this, a critical spirit of man's creation will eventually trickle to the creator himself. It does not stop there. It will get to God. Another obstacle or a giant in the land of worship is laziness. Mm. I'm tired today. I'm tired today. Impatient. I don't want to wait on God. I don't have time to wait on God. I don't want to wait on him. That's an obstacle in the area of worship beyond a doubt. If, if, if God is not on your timetable and you're frustrated with that, you come to worship with that, that's going to be hard. That's going to be very difficult. Seventh pretty much goes unnoticed or unsaid, unforgiveness. Mm. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, if you are offering your gift to the Lord, but you remember you have ought against your brother. Come and lay, your, lay that gift at the altar and then go and worship. That's not about money. I'm sorry. That is about worship. There's been many, many, many times that a worship service begins 
And as we rush in like a man rushing to fire, we realize that we can't get much further in worship until we get some things right. And there have been many, many times that the altar is full during worship. And it's full during worship because you can't worship him who has forgiven you that you, if you've got unforgiveness towards a brother or sister. I've told you many times, man, that was one of the big deals in my life. And when that was conquered with my father, it set me free. Set me free. And worldly influence is another big giant in the land of worship. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift his soul to an idol. I swear by what is false. I want you to see a slide real quick. You guys got that slide? Worship is our response both personally and corporate. We get that. We're good with personal worship, quiet time, individual stuff. We're good corporate. We're good with that. To God for who he is. Stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. There's breakdown right there. For who he is. Let me... Let me let, let me, I'm going to make a statement, and it's a hard statement, but it's been made to me by several people. My life sucks, and God sucks. What? I've heard, they told me that. Many have. I don't like where I'm at right now, and it's God's fault. The reason my life is a mess is because God's out to get me. He doesn't like me. I wasn't born with that silver God spoon in my mouth. My road's been tough. I realize that. Your worship is our response both personally and corporate to God for who he is. The question on the floor in Psalm 24 is this. Who is he? That's what he's saying today. That is Psalm 23. Is a beautiful psalm. But when you get to 24, the question is, who is he? Who is he? In your life, who is he? Because if you can answer what for who he is and what he has done. See, what he has done sometimes is not what you want done because you feel like that who he is is not a good guy. You don't like what he's done So you don't like who he is. And I'm going to tell you, if that is our response to God, it'll break down worship. It just kills it. Now I say, Jeff, that's a hard word in church today. That is a hard word. But I'm going to tell you, look at our country. Look 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 at our nation. Look at families today. I sat with a father who said, I raised both my children in the same house. Fearing the same God, and one is following the king, and the other is mad at the king. How is that? Because his view of who he is affects everything else. I'm going to say again, as man's view of God is, so is that man's life. That's just the truth. Because if we think God is unjust and unfair and unmerciful and not graceful and not kind and not gentle and not patient and not worthy of praise, that's what we're going to do. And my friend, when our view of who he is is warped, 
then I guarantee you our choices that we make out of that are going to be warped. They're going to be warped. I sat with a mom and daughter in my office about two months ago. This girl grew up in my student ministry. <laughs> this girl was solid in high school. And she looked across at me and she said, I don't believe in God. I don't have a place in my life for him. And that might cost me eternal damnation, but I'm good with that. Woo! You say, well, that kid obviously did not grow up in church. Oh, yes, she did. Right over there on Tascosa Road at a big old church. And never missed. Melissa knows her well. We talked about that story. I'm going to tell you, she looked at me as her, I'm, I was her youth pastor. She told me that point blank right in front of her mom. Right in front of her mom. And I won't even tell you what she does today. It's not a job, but it's what she does. Here's a deal. Psalm 24. See, it follows this sweet, little, precious, put on the wall of your house psalm. That's, psalm 23 is beautiful, sweet, and kind, and wonderful. It's grandma's favorite. But 24 is where the rubber meets the road. I mean, is your tire leaving a mark? 24 will tell you. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his presence? Not those dirty hands. Not if you're swearing to false gods and bowing down the altars. But if he is who he says he is. If he, says, if he is who he says he is. Look at verse 6. Such is the generation hmm, of those who seek him. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. It's like right there he realizes there has got to be a generation that does not bow a knee to false gods. You know, you raise him up. I want you to look at some scripture with me. You know it well. Go to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If, mm, biggest if in scripture, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways to idols, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their lands. If they will what? Seek my face. Not as a last result, but as a first thing. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek you first his kingdom and his righteousness. Not after you try everything the world says might work. Then run to the church. Then run to God. Then seek his face. Then tie a prayer knot and hang on. No, he says, go there first. Go there first. Let your life be evident of who your God really is. If this is who he is, then you run to the king of glory. You go to him first. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. We love 29.11. But there's a Paul Harvey rest of the story of this. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you. 
declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Here comes the rubber in, in the road right here. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Mm. You will find me if you seek me. With uh, You got these plans for me, God? Good. Well, I'm going to go live my life, do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, because I want to do it. You just bless me because I know you got these great plans for me. Woohoo! Yeah, but here's the deal, Lucille. You're not seeking me. And I know your mom wants me to bless your life, but that'd be the worst thing I can do for you. But what I am going to do for you is I'm going to slam on some serious Jake brakes on your truck. So you lock up on that interstate that you're rolling about 80 before you wipe out a lot of people you don't even know in your life as well. Because you can't live like hell and expect heaven. You've got to seek his face. He is the God. He is who he is. That doesn't change. He is who he is in Scripture. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will not change like shifting sand. He will not. But there's got to be a generation that rises up and seeks his face. The first thing. Not after everything else has failed. Got to be that generation. I love verses 7 through 10. And I want to encourage you to do something for me and with me. In the morning, I don't want you to read anything else. I want you to read Psalm 24, 7 through 10. I want you to listen to this again. When I hear this, you got to understand, when they're entering... Jesus is entering in Jerusalem. This is, the, this, is the, this is the tabernacle of worship. This is, this is the presence of God. And he goes to the gates of Jerusalem. Okay? Palm Sunday, we know it best, comes in on the donkey, that thing. This is him. Lift up your heads. Oh, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. It's like they were in a slumber. It's like they're not morning people. They're bedhead and deadhead, and they're like, another day. Lift, lift up your heads. Lift up the gates. Lift up the doors, because the king of glory is coming in. Who is this king of glory? And then this is the question from outside the doors, the gates. Here's the, here's the rebuttal of that, the answer of that. That comes from within. It says, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Can you imagine that exchange? Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty and strong in battle. And then watch, it just kind of just, it's like a locker room. That coach is about to, he's jacking that team up. They're about to, whoo, they're about to run through a brick wall. They're going to attack hell with a water gun. I mean, he, I mean he, they're jacked here, okay? Look at, look at what he says in, in 9. He says it again. Lift up your heads. Just in case some of y'all don't believe who he is, lift up your heads. Because some of them are up. Some of them are lifting up. Some of them are understanding who he is. And it's like he's waking up the rest. Who is 
this king and go, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And watch the verbiage change. Who is he? Mm. This king of glory. Who is he, this king of glory? Isn't that a great question for us today? When I was reading that, I read it, and then I read it. Look at the same verbiage in 8. Who is this king of glory? 10, 10 doesn't say who it is anymore. 10 says who he is. It, it's like there was a little question first. Who, who is he? Oh, who is he? He is the king of glory. He is. My mind's made up. I know who he is. He is. Who is he, this king of glory? Watch the response. The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. It's not what it says in a still questioning. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Who is this king of glory? In 10, there's a no doubter. There's no doubter. You see, again, so goes a man's thought of who he is, so goes the man's life. When you're still wondering who he is, your life's going to be like that. You're not going to know it's his voice. You're not going to follow. You're going to see him but not really see him, so you're not going to know if he is. You're going to wonder if he's a ghost. So you're going to stay in the boat where it's safe instead of walking on the water with the king. When you have a warped view of who he is, you'll have a warped view of choices. When your faith is still doubting who he is, your faith is going to be limited. How many of us thought we heard him, thought we saw him, and thought I should have had faith in this situation? But look back and we never moved. Didn't do it. Didn't know. Is that bad pizza? I don't know. Was that God? I'm not 100% sure. Why? Sometimes it's why because we don't know who he is. And sometimes we know it's him, but we don't know who we are in him, so we don't step. Sometimes, my friend, to really have faith, the faith that really lights up the house needs a step. If he lit it up before you step so that you will be real sure what you're stepping on, that is really not faith. Who is this king of glory? Mm, no more who. He is this king of glory. He is this king of glory. Tomorrow morning, it's Monday. You read that passage right there. And I'm going to tell you, before you hit the R to get out of the driveway, you are going to be so jacked up. It doesn't matter what Monday brings your way because you're not going to say, who is he? You're going to say, oh, he is the king of glory. And you're going to walk into your office complex. You're going to walk into your job. You're going to walk in to whatever comes your way on Monday. 
I'm telling you right now, you're not wet pretzel. You are fired up, ready to go. Because you know you're a king's kid, and you know he is the king of glory, my friend. And I'm going to tell you right now, you'll be ready for anything that comes your way. Anything. And when God causes you uh, to step out of your comfort zone, you're not going to have a doubt who, that, who it is. Am I, should, I, should I share with them? Should I tell my story? Should I go over and give them a word? Should I go pray with them? Well, I'm going to say it like I said before. The enemy's not going to move you that way. So that must be God. That must be God. Either he's not who is the king of glory. It is now he is the king of glory. And my friends, that verbiage, that's a big difference when you live your life. If you're still living it with who is the king of glory, it's going to be sput and go and stutter. But when you're over here with he is the king of glory, it's like, I'm gone. Because he is the king of glory. Listen to it again. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he? This king of glory, the Lord mighty, he is the king of glory. Mm. May it be said of us today that we're not longer asking who, but we already settled that. He is the king of glory. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, what a great psalm tucked away after one of the world's favorite psalms. God, there's so much in 24, but it asks a very poignant question for all of us. Who do we say you are? Who are you? Because what we say after that sentence says a lot about our life. God, I pray that everyone at the sound of my voice can simply say, oh yes, he is the king. God, today, if there's anybody at the sound of my voice that's never met you, never been a time in their life they've been born again, never been a time in their life where they could say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Today, may they say, he is the king of glory, the one that saved me and redeemed me today. I walked in lost, but I'm walking out saved. God, may they come to you today. May you send families to join this church today. May you send people to the altar that says, no more will I doubt who you are in my life. You're not no longer who you are, the King of glory today. God, today, move us, challenge us, raise the bar in our life. God, I thank you for your presence with us today. This, this invitation time is yours. May we be obedient and be blessed because of it. In Christ's name, amen.